and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. Today, we are going to be talking about wheat and specifically tips for higher yields in wheat. Oh man, we have a lot of ideas here and we also get a lot of questions around this, especially with today's wheat price. What can I do? What should I do to get more yield and more profit in my wheat crop? We'll be talking about that today in addition to taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 844- 44 ag phd and of course you can always email us radio at agphd.com all right brian higher yielding wheat this is one that you know the crop doesn't have as many advantages as say a corn crop does with just billions and billions of dollars poured into research and breeding and all the things going on traits and lots of things to help corn out it seems like wheat's a little more on its own and can use some extra help Uh, yeah, it definitely needs extra help, but there are fortunately a lot of things that you can do. And at this time of year, the thing we're talking to people most about is start with good weed control. Pre-emerge herbicides in wheat are not commonly used, but they should be. Yeah, there there are so many things. So here's one thing I wanted to bring up too, uh, and, and we can build off this if you like. When we look at, at things that we've learned over the last five to ten years on wheat it's been interesting spending some time with eric watson the world record wheat grower just about some of the ways he's looking at things and it's different than how a lot of producers have been looking at it here in the united states and canada uh, in terms of planting population in terms of uh, how you shorten that crop up so it stands a little bit better and i think sometimes rather than just looking at well what do we do and then maybe let's change one thing i think it's really important just to look at well what do we do and why do we do it and and just start questioning all those things because sometimes we've got some old practices that that we're doing on our farms and we don't need to anymore we've got new tools here that those old things can just go away well yes but it does make a difference if you've tried some of these things before or not so i I guess the biggest thing that we encourage you to do if you're listening today is just try a few new things on your farm and look at some of those people who are setting tremendous yield records. So, for example, Eric Watson, his final stand on wheat was only about 400,000 plants per acre. Just think about that, 400,000. A lot of people that I talk to, it's a million, million, two, million, four for final stand. Do you need that much? Well, I, I mean, he didn't. So I don't know if your varieties are going to perform like his did, but... He's looking for more tillers. He's putting on nitrogen a little bit later. And to Darren's point, he's shortening that crop, spraying Palisade a couple of times. And you can do that. It's just a lot of people don't. And I'd say, too, tram lines are really important. If you want to run out there and spray additional times, whether it's fungicide or insecticide, herbicide, whatever you need to do, you don't want to be running down your wheat with 120-foot booms like we have on a lot of farms now. We do it ourselves as well. I mean, it doesn't take many trips or tracks through the field, and it doesn't take that long to get spraying done. So, yeah, there are a lot of things that you definitely could do to increase wheat yield. Well, and there's a lot of things that that I talk to farmers about, and they say, well, I I can't do that because I just can't afford to make another pass. And you're sure right about the tram lines. That opens up your options for, well, why can't you? It'll only take you a couple hours and you'll have it done and you'll have a shot at lots more yield. When you think about how many dollars per hour some of those things pay you, it's tremendous. 
Yep, that's for sure. And back to my original point, try it on a small scale. Let's say you have 1,000 acres of wheat. Try it on 50 acres of wheat where you just pour the coals to it. Do literally everything you could possibly do to the wheat and see what you get for a response. I mean, it's not going to break you if it doesn't turn out that great because you know you're going to get some yield increase by doing these extra things. But I, I, if you don't try it, then how are you going to know? Well, the challenge with that, Brian, has been over the years, especially especially in wheat, because it gets grown in a lot of tough areas to grow anything in tough areas with weather that happen more commonly. Guys say, oh, I got to cut costs. Oh, I can't sink too much fixed cost into this crop up front. I'll, I'll just wait. And then at the last minute, if it looks good, then I can throw a few dollars at it. But so often you're just too late yep. if you're waiting for the last minute. Well, maybe. It depends on what thing we're talking about exactly. So if it's weed control, that's the one where that's got to be done early. If you have weeds out there, that's going to hurt you way more if you have a dry year than if you have a wet year. So that one you absolutely can't wait on. Nitrogen, on the other hand, yeah, I mean, I'd be waiting a little bit. There's no point in not waiting. It's not going to hurt anything if you only put out, let's say, a third of your nitrogen up front or half of your nitrogen up front, and then you're going to follow with one or two shots later on, you just wait and see how the year's going. If it does turn out to be complete drought, and I know a lot of people are worried about that, even in our area right now. I mean, we're spraying tomorrow on our farm, and people are like, what? It's so early. Yeah, I know. It's the first of March, but ground's fit. So why would we not be up? So people hear that, and they're like, oh, we're going to have a drought for sure this year. Well, maybe, but I'm, I'm confident we're going to get some rain in season, and it's going to turn out fine. But yeah, I don't have any problem waiting with some things like fertility, maybe fungicides, but you can't wait on the weed control. You've got to have the weed control. Otherwise, everything's lost. Well, and you do have to keep a close eye on things. And this is one of the challenges that a lot of the areas, one of the challenges with wheat is in so many areas, guys farm big acres of wheat. And they, they say the scouting is a challenge. Oh, man, there's just so many acres out there. But you still have to do it. And maybe you have to utilize some modern tools like drones or, or different things. But you got to get across that wheat and see what's going on so nothing gets ahead of you. And we're going to talk about some of those things today that, that you can do, that you can, can use to help influence your wheat yields and protect the yield that's out there and, and set yourself up for a really high-yielding wheat. Because with today's prices, you've got a great opportunity to make some money this year on the wheat crop and here's the other thing you do a great job in that wheat crop like with the weed control that brian was talking about now next year if you're rotating to a broadleaf crop like sunflowers or soybeans oh man if you had a perfect weed control year and you're coming into one of those broadleaf crops now you have that much less pressure and it should result in better yields and better performance and less challenges for your next crop so we'll talk about tips for higher yields in wheat and take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. This is a wake-up call. 
for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about wheat and specifically tips for higher yields in wheat. And you know, if you want to have a great yielding crop, you got to make a lot of the right decisions along the way. And so oftentimes some of those decisions are offensive, like say with your nutritional program and you say, man, I'm going to push a little bit more whatever in my fertility program to to strive for higher yields and higher productivity. But then there are also a lot of defensive things too. We can't have weeds like Brian was just talking about. We can't have insects out there and certainly diseases can be yield robbers as well. We've got Andrew Friskop with us right now with North Dakota State University. And uh, Andrew's one of those guys who gets to work on those diseases. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. No problem. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Okay, so when we think about wheat, we got a lot of factors against us. Well, maybe you like this. I don't know. As a pathologist, maybe maybe you say, man, that's a great crop to study. You got a thick crop canopy, so it's going to be wet underneath there very likely. And you've got a, a crop that doesn't maybe have some of the breeding advantages that things like corn and soybeans have. Man, there's been tons of money poured into them to improve disease tolerance. And you're also going to plant them when it's really cold out, whether it's winter wheat, it's got to sit out there and it's really cold, or spring wheat, we try and plant so early. Man, it's tough to grow wheat without having disease. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of hit on some of the, the high ones. Um, you know, certainly talk about the environmental changes, both uh, you know within the climate, but also within the canopy you have to deal with. And the host crop that you deal with is just generally, you know, it can, it can get a lot of diseases. And oftentimes what frustrates a lot of us is we can't ever predict which one is going to be the worst one next year. But we could probably narrow it down to four or five on the ones that we probably going to worry about from a yield limiting standpoint. All right, let's talk with let's start with the seed treatment because I, I know some farmers will will tell us, okay, 
we're starting to see improvements on these seed treatments. They're getting more effective modes of action, uh, more modes of action and, and better ones that are going into some of these seed treatments. You see some of the premium fungicide products now in a lot of the new seed treatments coming out. What are you seeing in your research? Are there any specific diseases that you've seen improvement on? Uh, generally in the northern Great Plains, uh, conversations about seed treatments on wheat is we, we look at them being very, very effective on seed-borne diseases. Uh, probably the benefit that most uh, growers are going to be reaching for is how to improve stand or how to improve stand when it's uh, stressed by like fusarium crown rot or common root rot. And we've we've done a lot of research on seed treatments. And, you know, speaking of seed treatments, I just got done summarizing about 18 years of data. And I'd say on general, um, you see about an 8% stand improvement when you use a wheat seed treatment. Wow, that's that's significant. And, you know, you look at, uh, I like that multi-year data like that. 18 years is a long time. You've had some wet years. You've had some dry years in there. Do you see any correlation to, hey, in the drought, it has this advantage, or in the wet years, it has that advantage? Or do you see any kind of consistency to that over those 18 years? Yeah, I, that was one of the first questions when I was looking at that data set, is what type of an environment did you see a bigger response? So we've we saw dry environments, um, you know, we, we saw some soil temperature differences, obviously, too. And yeah, we don't have, the, you know, I'll be honest, the most robust, you know, trying to narrow in specifically like water potential in the soil. But from what I looked at was merely rainfall and um, in soil temperature. We didn't see much of a correlation where the response was fairly consistent. If it was warm and dry or you know, warm and wet or cool and wet, you know, for the conditions that I was defining. So it's, it's a Another layer to think about, obviously, but you know, I, I think it's good to just kind of see the you know universal type of message that we're seeing with a lot of those big, large data sets, especially with stand improvement. All right. If you miss the seed treatment, can you still save it later on, or are there just some things you're not going to be able to stop anymore? I, yeah, I look at that seed treatment as, you know, definitely from a seed-borne perspective. Um, that's, you know, I'm thinking like loose smut, and we don't worry about it so much anymore with the certified seed programs and really good chemistries. But that, those are the type of diseases that could uh, catch you off guard later on. When you think about some of those root rotters and wheat, that's, that's you know, your options are, you know, we get maybe 14, 21 days protection from that early seed infection, and that's, that's about the only time we can maybe help a root rot. You know, we don't have the translocation ability of fungicides to get down to the roots and the wheat crops. So, I mean, like I said, it's a good good thing to get the plants above the ground. And I, I always say it's easier to manage a crop that comes up and try to fend off those diseases you can in season than not having that crop come up at all. I look at a wheat crop and I compare it to something like corn, where a lot of growers in, in your state, North Dakota, would be growing corn in a 30-inch row just on average and planting probably 25 to 30,000 plants per acre. When you think about wheat, a lot of times it could be a million plants or more per acre, and they're planted in much narrow rows narrow much more narrow row spacings man it's tough to get coverage down through that canopy when we're going foliar with fungicides trying to protect against disease do you find those early applications are are a big deal do you like to wait till flag leaf what's working the best in north dakota yeah that, no, that's a great question that no I, I always get their response of it depends right everybody loves that but in in all reality i go back to what your risk factors are what is your production what variety you have you know and i look at those you know that early season fungicide with, with your tank mixing with your herbicide 
I, I, it's good for what it's intent for. If you're in a conservational tilled operation, um, you have a frequency of residue out there, you're likely going to uh, arrest some of the development of tan spot, but as soon as new leaves come out, they're going to be left unprotected. Uh, when you think about the flag leaf uh, fungicide application, at least in North Dakota, uh, probably the, the least uh, popular out of the three when you think about foliar applications. It's, it's great in a rust year. Sometimes the ones that worry about the fungal leaf spots can get benefit from it. Uh, but most cases, with if you have a good variety with resistance, uh, we see a lot of just two-pass programs up in this state for uh, for uh, managing diseases. If you managing fungal diseases, I, I should say. Okay, once we get to to heading, uh, the rules kind of change a little bit in terms of fungicide spraying. But we look at different modes of action, and I know the the strobiliarins have been used a lot. Uh, in the first part of the season and, and even up through flag leaf. But once we get to the heading timing, a lot of guys are looking at triazoles or, or even these new SDHIs in combination with other products. What do you see out of these SDHI fungicides? Have they added to the disease spectrum or length of control or, or just quality of the disease control you're getting? When I look for those applications for the flowering stages for a Fusarium head blight, and once uh, we got the first SCHI to the market with uh, that had activity on Fusarium head blight, I, I look at it from a fungicide steward, stewardship um, opening. I also see it as a way of you know, not over-relying on triazoles all the time. So just from that component, I thought it was you know very novel. And when we've been doing um, multiple years of data uh, on some of the products that contain an SCHI now, uh, we, we, it's another good tool. Um, it's nothing that's going to put, push you into the excellent control of Fusarium headlight, but it's going to be just as good as some of our best trial cells that we have on the market. And in some cases, you might see a response more, you know, maybe uh, in a given situation, but, you know, the variability and kind of the rank change in some of the data, I, I, I can say that we have some really great options on the market for Fusarium headlight. I just don't know if we ever get up to that excellent standpoint from disease control. All right, last question for you. Any new disease that you're concerned about and that farmers should start paying attention to? Uh, the one that I've been, I'd say the last three years, not last year so much with the growing conditions, but um, I, I'm, I'm still worried about bacterial leaf streak in North Dakota. Um, again, management for that disease. We can't, we can't rescue that crop when it's susceptible variety. So everything depends on the genetics right when the seed goes in the ground. And uh, for me, it's a lot of just identification, understanding what it looks like, so you're not trying to spray it and try to get control of it, uh, but more importantly, just create an awareness of, you know, it can be a big yield robber. And going back to talking about maximizing wheat disease yields, go back to that variety, look what you can control with the genetics and what you can uh, help along with the fungicide application. Great stuff. Andrew Friskop with North Dakota State University. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info today. No problem. Have a great day. You bet you as well. We're talking about tips to higher yields in wheat. And one thing that Andrew said there, just to, to recap, he said he just got done looking at an 18-year data uh, data set on seed treatments and saw an 8% better stand on average over 18 years. That is definitely significant. It's one of those things as you're going for higher yields in wheat, you want to maximize what each plant can do out in the field. We'll talk about some more tips coming up right after this.
soybean growers are dealing a swift blow to tough broad leaves and grasses with the two-in-one power of Moccasin MTZ. Moccasin MTZ combines the power of s metolachlor and a higher load of Metribuzin for outstanding weed control right from the outset with extended residual control to keep tough weeds down, including pigweed, water hemp, ragweed, and mare's tail, in addition to annual grasses like foxtail and barnyard grass. Ask your retailer about Moccasin MTZ and always read and follow label directions. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge Herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge Herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at AgPhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of AgPhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming AgPhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Wow, I wish we were outside, though. It is nearly 60 degrees in South Dakota the last day of February. Pretty fantastic. But what does that mean for our crop, whether it's the wheat crop that's already in the ground or the crop that's soon to be seeded? We've got our friend Lee Lubers on with us right now. He farms in South Dakota. Lee, how's it going? Going good. Well, when we get these warm-ups like this, and, and we know there's some weather coming up uh, probably in another week here, that they could bring the temperatures down, maybe provide some snow again. Is it is it a good thing or a bad thing to have these warm-ups in February? Uh, I just wish the weather would make up its mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting tired of these 80-plus degree swings, you know, in a 24-hour period. 
Uh, it stresses the wheat, but uh, I've been walking fields here even in the wintertime, and crowns are good and green and healthy. But uh, I wouldn't want too many days like this or else we'd be breaking dormancy real early. Uh, we're actually going to start uh, top dressing wheat again tomorrow since we actually do have a chance of moisture. Brian was just talking about this with with uh, our guys on our farm that, hey, let's get ready with the sprayer. We've got mornings that the ground will be firm, and then we got afternoons that it's really going to warm up and, and be able to take in fertilizer, be able to take in herbicide, whatever we're putting out there. As you're doing that top dressing, are there some conditions that you're looking for, or is it just, hey, it's, it's the right time of year to do it, or is it, hey, I've got a great opportunity here with certain weather conditions? Uh, we like to spread when we still have some frost in the ground so we don't do any compaction. And we can still do that this week. And uh, now that we actually have a chance of moisture, it's been a very dry winter, uh, we want to get it on so we can get the snow to take it in. Yeah, yeah, what an opportunity. You're right. It's It's been awfully dry, not just here, but in a lot of areas of the country. Guys have been trying to time this thing out. Just was chatting with a, a fellow from Oklahoma last week, and he said the same thing. They they got out. They didn't have rain for 100 days, and they saw some coming, so they quick got the fertilizer on and, and got it out their head because they don't know when the next one's going to come. And, and that is a lot of the challenge with, with raising wheat. You just don't know what's coming up. So setting yourself up for success is is got to be important uh, when it comes to planting populations, seed treatment, those types of things. Are, are these things that that you study on a regular basis on your farm? Have you kind of made up your mind of here's what works the best for us? Where do you guys sit? We're always looking uh, seed treatments that have advanced so much in the last ten years. Uh, we have better choices for chemistries to put on, fuller spectrums, uh, better coverage. And then we always include biologicals with our seed treatment too. And we want to get that on the seed. We, we never plant a naked seed. We always make sure we have good treatments on. It was interesting. We just had Andrew Friskop from North Dakota State down, and he said in 18 years of data that they've got on seed treatments, they've averaged an 8% better stand. Now, it doesn't always mean more yield, but year in, year out, if you're putting the seed out there, you just as soon have it grow. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me that you'd want to treat that seed and, and start off well. How about with micros? Do micros go on before you plant? Or are you putting them on in-crop uh, or a little bit of both? How, how do you guys handle them? Uh, we start actually with our blend in the fall, uh, applying some micros going right in the trench with the seed. And then we'll come back in the spring and do more. And yeah, it's kind of a season long approach. Well, with this year, well, I shouldn't say just this year, last two years, we've been really dry and we've noticed our ground that we've got built up has a lot better tolerance for some of those conditions. Now, not that it isn't eventually going to suffer too, but it seems like where we get the micros right, we can handle those tougher weather conditions. Have you seen that too, or are you just seeing healthier plants regardless? Uh, we're seeing that too. Uh, that more balanced approach to fertility, we can handle stress so much better. You know, with uh, the other thing I was thinking about here with the early season stuff, keeping the crop short. When we were talking with Eric Watson, uh, he, he just said, man, I got to keep that crop short. And when Glenn and I got a chance to go down to his farm and it was literally knee high and that was it. 
that was impressive to me. I think those guys have taken it one one next step. Now, where you're at in South Dakota, do you have to do much to shorten the crop? I think it's normally a little bit shorter anyway, but uh, are you still worried about that? Well, in New Zealand, I think they have uh, growth regulators down to an art form, uh, the best I've ever seen. Uh, but even in our environment, uh, we're seeing that it pays to shorten the nodes, shorten up the wheat, uh, put the nutrients in the water where it needs to be. Uh, we don't we don't need tall wheat. We don't want tall wheat either. I was talking with my brother about this again for this season with anything that we're doing with small grains. And Brian likes to put nitrogen out there early. And I, I keep telling him, man, I don't want it out there early. I want to wait as long as I can with at least a good portion of that nitrogen because I don't want my crop getting too growthy. How about for you? It's got to be a challenge because you've got dry land wheat in an area that rain is not guaranteed. Are you worried about getting it out there early so you get rain on it? Or are you thinking the same way I am that you might get too much growth if you put it all out there up front? Uh, ideally I would like to wait another month. My brother and I would to put down our spring shot. Uh, but as dry as we've been, <laughs> we don't know when the next good chance is coming. So we're getting it on this week, finishing off the last of our wheat. Uh, but we don't do anything other than, you know, a good starter blend in the fall. We don't want to push the growth. We want to push roots. Okay. It- that's a good tip. Now, you mentioned the the guys in New Zealand, probably the best in the world on plant growth regulators, and I, I agree with you. I think those guys are ju- just doing a fantastic job with that. Uh, one thing that I, I've seen you do such a good job, you and your brother, a- have really been good on disease control. We just, I, I don't know, I, I've known you guys for a long time, and, and it's so rare that, that a disease would catch you guys off guard. What are you doing, and what are you doing different versus some of your contemporaries on managing disease? disease control in, in wheat? Well, you've got to be in front of it and not behind it when it comes to disease, because once the damage is done, you can never catch up. So it's just standard procedure. Uh, we're going to be doing multiple paths, fungicides, and it pays in every condition that we experience. Uh, even in a 2012 style drought, fungicides still pay. Do you guys end up doing any wheat on wheat or are you always working a rotation in there to try to, to keep disease pressure down? Uh, we have some wheat on wheat this year. We have about 1,500 acres and it looks great. All right. So what's what's the key there? Is it nitrogen? Is that the big key to kind of overcome some of that residue or, or is there a lot more to it? Uh, it was timely planting so that we don't hairpin, uh, you know, You might be at the field first thing in the morning, but don't start until it's right. Then you can start planting so you don't hairpin because if you hairpin it, you can never catch that back up either. And if you got to quit an hour early, you quit an hour early, get it started right. And uh, our weed on wheat looks good. We do have a higher risk of disease pressure, but with the newer fungicides that we have, we're not worried. I'm assuming that means you change up which varieties you're planting, or are you planting the same ones that you would in a first-year wheat situation? Uh, We actually changed it up. Uh, We've done a lot of clear field wheats, and this year we switched uh, a lot to coaxium, uh, newer technology, and it looks awesome. Awesome. Well, that's that's a, a good deal to be off to a good start. Hopefully you catch a, a sizable amount of precip here coming up this week to, to get not only that top dress working, but to give your crop the best shot. Cause you're right. It, it could be a, 
It could be a warm and dry one. We just never know. Hey, Lee, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. You're always generous with your time and, and information. And uh, good luck to you and your brother this spring. Hey, thanks a lot. Talking about wheat and specifically some tips to higher yields. And, and Lee made a, a good comment there that uh, talking about the guys down in New Zealand like Eric Watson that, that are just, man, they're ahead of us on a few things like well, plant growth regulators, for example, is just one of, of several things. I mean, obviously, uh, Eric's got the world record, so he's ahead on quite a few things. But looking around at what other folks are doing, and I know Lee and his brother do such a good job at that, watching, okay, what are they doing out in the Palouse region? What are they doing in the South? What are they doing in England and different countries and, and trying to learn from each other? Uh, that's a, a really smart move if you're going for higher yields in wheat. Well, our phone lines are open here. If you've got an agronomic question, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough 5EC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. 
Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. talking about higher yielding wheat on today's Ag PhD radio show. Hopefully you're hope you're enjoying it. If you get some feedback for us, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Uh, getting a little bit of buzz to hear about the equipment and how important that is. So we got Trent Noah on with us right now with Case IH to talk about that. Trent, thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, got a couple of questions uh, that are coming in uh, that'll be right up your alley. First of all, we've got very, very dry soils, and we want to seed spring wheat into that. How can we do that successfully? Hey, it's not easy. I I know when it's muddy, that's one thing, but, man, when it's powdery dry for several inches in that soil, that's a challenge, too. What, What do you do with that situation? Yeah, that's a that's a tough situation to deal with. Uh, I mean, you definitely, and what I'd always lever towards is making sure that we're giving the seeds the best chance they can. So, I mean, try to seed to moisture where you can, uh, you know, within reason. Um, you know, wheat can emerge from a, a fairly deep depth, especially spring wheat. Uh, two inches deep is not unheard of. Um, but I mean, much more than that, you you'd be in uh, serious. I probably would not recommend going uh, deeper than that to get uh, to get into moisture. Uh, sometimes in those situations, you you just have to you know do your best and uh, prepare for uh, whatever what will never really happens. And hopefully, hopefully we get some spring and timely timely rains to get that crop emerge. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, an inch of rain uh, a couple weeks ahead here would just be amazing. Uh, okay, Trent. Uh, so I, I know we got a number of things here to talk about. First of all, what's new in seeding equipment, and what are some things if growers are looking to making some changes they should be looking for? Well, I guess the newest thing is we uh, just as Case IH recently released our new series of precision disc drills. Uh, we launched our first series of disc drills in uh, twenty, or our first precision uh, disc drills in twenty thirteen. And for next model year, we're launching some uh, new products, uh, the Precision Disc 550 drills, with a number of enhancements to uh, not only uh, the drill itself, but also uh, the row unit we use on that uh, to further uh, to further enhance its uh, accuracy and its versatility at getting small grains as well as uh, coarse grains like soybeans into the ground. I love that you said accuracy there because there's a lot of talk with corn seeding about, oh, man, we got to be just perfect with how we're placing everything. But sometimes crops like soybeans and wheat, uh, people aren't as fussy about that. But is there a big difference by by getting that seed right where you want it? Well, you know, the highest yield potential for any crop, and I mean, this is commonly used in corn, that you know, the highest yield potential is in the bag, and every, and every minute you take it out of the bag, that yield potential has a tendency to go down. That really applies for any crop, soybeans as well as wheat. So, I mean, the first day you put it in the ground, that's your highest yield potential, and everything else will rob away from it. So, really what you can do as a grower is, is do the things that you have in your control. And one of the things, I guess, that is in your control is planning, planning out your operation, planning out your season well in advance. I learned a long time ago that uh, uh, failing to plan is essentially planning to fail. So there's a number of things growers can do 
to really, um, you know, really ensure that those things that they are in control of, like stand establishment, um, a number of those things they can do, of course, is, is preseason maintenance. Um, getting that piece of equipment you're using, that drill, and even, you know, applies to other crops such as beans and corns as well, getting that planter well serviced, replacing all your wear parts to ensure that it's working as intended uh, is a real important step that you can take prior to pre-season to ensure that you can achieve that maximum stand establishment. Lots of things growers are doing to try to improve yields. And I know we're seeing a lot more seed treatments being used. Uh, we had a, a grower on that was saying he was putting on biologicals now in addition to the fungicides and insecticides he's already had on the seed. We're also hearing a lot of growers talking about putting fertility and other things near the seed. Uh, how does that impact things? Uh, like like with the new precision disc drills, for example, are those options that, that can be added on? Or are there some concerns that you'd have around them? Uh, yes, there are options that you can add on. I mean, our Precision Disc 550s, the ones that we use in air cart, of course, the, the air carts we sell are all multi-tank air carts, so you, you can't have a tank, one or two tanks for seed plus a tank for a fertility. Um, you know, there is definitely a need, especially with cereals, uh, such as wheat, especially spring cereals, especially in the areas where they're grown, uh, that seed-placed fertilizer, particularly phosphate, is quite important. Even on uh, a high phosphate soil, just simply because, I mean, a spring cereal is seeded in a fairly uh, fairly cool ground, fairly early in the spring, and phosphate availability in cool soils, as you well know, uh, is not as good as when that, you know, when that soil warms up. So even if the phosphate background phosphate level is quite high, the plant might be struggling to get phosphate in a in a cool season, or in a, if the ground is much cool, is very cool. So. Uh, yes, there is uh, options for fertilizer placement with our drills. All right, here's another question, Trent, and another situation that is is a little tough because it's not extremely consistent, but we have so many growers looking at cover crops, and then the, the question is either do I need to burn it down, do I go in there with live cover crop, how tall can the cover crop be, but it adds a lot of complication for equipment manufacturers. What are you looking at in terms of, of cover crop ready uh, or cover crop readiness to the drill? Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, our precision disc drills are in essentially designed as no-till drills and are designed to go into those heavy residue conditions. Uh, to cut through and accurately place the seed in the ground, uh, no matter the trash level, whether it's alive or or have been burnt off. In a, in a spring weed scenario, even a winter wheat scenario, I would probably highly recommend just because you know cover crop mixes do tend to be fairly well levered towards a, a rye type species or another small grain uh, that you burn it off well ahead of planting that uh, that spring cereal into that ground uh, just to prevent any uh, any crossing of um, disease or a green bridge uh, from the fall to the, to the spring crops. 
Yeah, a lot of lot of stuff going on. A lot of new practices that growers are trying, and uh, that that always makes it interesting when you're going out there. We just encourage farmers if you haven't done that before, uh, make sure you're talking to your equipment manufacturer before you do to to say, okay, I want to do this. What are some things, or what are some adjustments I may need to make with my equipment? Now, speaking of that, Trent, uh, as as guys are getting set for spring wheat planting in our area, I know a lot of them are looking at maintenance type options and things to watch on the drill. Anything that stands out to you that you'd say, hey, here's a couple things, guys. Don't forget about these. Yeah, so I guess the first thing is to check your ground engagement point. Uh, so if you're using a single disc drill, make sure that uh, your blades are sharp, that you have a, a good cutting surface on that blade, that the bevel's there. Whether it's our drill or a competitor drill, uh, make sure that your, uh, in our case, uh, your seed scraper or a boot, a seed boot on your drill is also uh, not overly worn uh, so that that drill can be reacting or can be placing the seeds at the bottom of that trench that you're cutting with that disc. So maintenance is, is definitely a, a key thing as well as any bushing and linkage points. Uh, anything you can do ahead of season to make sure that that implement you're using reacts the way you intended it, the way it's intended or it's designed to uh, is important. So. Now that you have the time here before spring, I definitely highly recommend you go through your drill. Uh, make sure that your wear points um, and your ground engagement points are all up to snuff. And also uh, your distribution system. Make sure that your hoses, your primary and secondary hoses on, on an air drill or even on a, on a mounted tank air drill that uses a little different uh, distribution system. Make sure that they're all have a good integrity. There's no holes, no wear, wear in them. Uh, so that the the product can be um, delivered to the ground accurately, as well as your distribution system. That's a good uh, good practice to clean out your drills, clean out your air carts, make sure that your metering uh, your metering rolls are in good condition, uh, that uh, there's no wear or no damage to them. And no surprises, especially as you're getting down to the yeah. last minute. You just don't want you want everything to be working perfect from the the first acre that you're covering. Talk with Trent Noah said with KSIH. Trent, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. Talking about wheat on today's Ag PhD Radio Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-Use Rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. 
Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. During the Bronze Age, grain sorghum was a common crop in developing agriculture. Today's technology has changed virtually everything, but grain sorghum largely hasn't changed until now. Introducing Emiflex herbicide, paired with iGrowth non-GMO herbicide-resistant grain sorghum, this duo controls foxtail and other tough weeds pre- and post-emergence so you can grow like never before. Make history in your sorghum makers. Start today at sorghumpotential.com. Always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, talking about tips for higher yields in wheat. And we've got a guest on with perhaps one of the best names in farming. It's Dan Maxfield with Syngenta. Man, you got a perfect name for agriculture, Dan. You were destined to be in this field. Yeah, sometimes I feel like that. In fact, I worked in wheat breeding, and they, I always joked that'd be a good wheat variety name. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It would. It would. Okay, so we're talking about wheat. Now, you mentioned the wheat breeding, and I think this is pretty interesting. There there have been some great upgrades in terms of just yield potential and a lot of the agronomic characteristics we're looking forward to uh, seeing out in our fields. Um, what are some of the things wheat breeders are looking for? What What are the things we should be thinking about the next 10 years? Well, a lot of it comes down to a lot of the local genetics are paired towards disease uh, resistance and tolerance. And there's a lot of key diseases in a lot of areas. Uh, you know, stripe rust is is really prevalent uh, across a lot of acres where we produce wheat. So that'd be that'd be number one. And then, you know, a lot of the quality characteristics play a big role in it as well. If you can't make good bread, uh, there's no sense in growing, growing that wheat. So... <laughs> We were just talking with a, a pathologist up at North Dakota State, and he said his concern was bacterial leaf streak. And I know we saw a little bit of that, too. Those bacterial ones are tough because our fungicides mm -hmm. aren't going to help us at all. So many of the things that we're talking about today with uh, just tips for higher yields in wheat come back to plant health. And if we can have a healthy plant throughout the season, we're just much better, or we've got a much better chance of getting a high yield. So where does it start for you, Dan? What are your top tips for growing high yielding wheat? Yeah. And this time of year, it's critical to think about that. We always start with the seed care discussion. If you don't have a good stand of wheat, you don't, you really limit your yield potential for the year. So starting with a really good seed treatment is important for seed and soil-borne diseases. And then it goes, uh, for me, from a disease perspective and a overall plant health, uh, you really think about the foliar fungicides. 
And uh, products like what Syngenta has to offer, a product like Trivapro um, for stripe rust uh, disease management as well as uh, plant health um, from an early season uh, through flag leaf development is critical uh, from a plant health perspective. Yeah, it, it sure is. And I like that you're talking about multiple modes of action here, both with what's going on, the seed treatment and this earlier season foliar fungicide. How important is that? Are you starting to see things fall out of bed, like especially the strabiliarins all by themselves? Yeah, maybe not necessarily so much in wheat uh, for me, but I have seen it across a lot of other crops. And it, and it is a big deal. We deal with that right from a herbicide perspective a lot. And, and managing these diseases or pests uh, with multiple modes of action has become critical. And you'll see products like Trivapro that has three modes of action. Uh, a lot of the products that, that we come out with from Syngenta have these multiple modes of action to really combat resistance and provide a really, really broad disease spectrum. No, it's been fantastic. There's no doubt about it. We've we've just gone leaps and leaps and bounds forward here the last five or ten years, bringing out some excellent products with multiple modes of action. Uh, you mentioned the Trivapro product. What about the Miravis Ace product? That's one that a lot of growers have been telling us has looked quite good out in fields. Yeah, that that was a big uh, product for us, and and in particular in the plains where fusarium head blight has been a big issue, and uh, it is a a combination product of an SDHI fungicide combined with a triazole, propiconazole, and it's it's really been a big game changer for us uh, from controlling fusarium head blight. And um, you can apply it up to 50% head emergence. Um, and when you stick with that, I always tell growers that you really, we don't want to recreate the wheel. We know what we're doing from a production and management standpoint. A grower does. They're really good at it or else they wouldn't be what they're doing what they're doing today. So you stick with that fusarium headlight timing, and your nervous ace will show you why it's a better fungicide. All right, so we're talking about these foliar fungicides in wheat, but unfortunately, they they almost never go out all by themselves. Growers want to put, hey, I got a foliar uh, fun, foliar fertilizer that I've got to do. Hey, I've got insecticide that I've got to deliver to my crop, mm -hmm. or, or or something else. Uh, so as we're mixing all these things together, do you have any tips for us on how to get the best performance still out of that fungicide, even with two or three things out uh, mixed in the tank with it? Yeah, if there's any uncertainties with tank mixes, it's always really critical to do a jar test. It might be a little bit uh, time-consuming when you're in the moment, but it's really critical to make sure these things work together in the tank. After you've got that checked off, uh, you, you really want to want to shoot for, if you're managing fusarium head blight, you want to go for your ideal time in managing that fusarium head blight, because we all know that can be a very limiting disease. If you get heavy infection, you can have a really big grain quality issue in your crop. So that's an important thing to kind of shoot for the disease management. And if you have fertility there, then, then make sure, you know, that'll, that'll kind of come with it as well. You know, Dan, when we, we think about just taking stress off these plants, we, we try to eliminate competition from weeds. We try to keep insects out of there. Is there, there anything that we're missing or any new problems? You mentioned the stripe rust and how big a challenge that one is in, in terms of a, a disease impacting wheat. Anything else that you see on the horizon that, that growers need to keep their eyes out for? Well, it really comes down to, from a disease perspective, there it will always be changing, it, it feels like. We, we kind of run in cycles because we don't have the same diseases every year. Weather is a huge, important factor in our business. Uh, but one thing we continue to see an evolution in is, is the weeds species and the weed spectrum. 
and tolerance to herbicides. So I, uh, that would kind of goes almost um, becomes a part of our daily lives talking about rotation of chemistries, but it's really critical to stay up to date with the extension services and what all of our local universities are doing to combat these weed species and stay ahead of, of some of these really challenging issues we have in, in ag. Yeah, you've got to pay attention. You got to go watch what's going on in other wheat growing areas because there are some things that are really climate specific. But man, a lot of these problems that that we face, uh, say in the Palouse, uh, we we may be fighting some of the same things here a few years later, or maybe we didn't even mm-hmm. realize we we had the same challenges. And then there's a lot of creative farmers out there that come up with good ideas that we can all learn from if we just watch what's happening in different areas. So, Dan, thank you for sharing a little bit about what's going on uh, in your region and with Syngenta, we are really excited as well about some of the new products coming out. These multiple mode of action fungicides really been exciting. Yeah, you bet, Darren. I appreciate the time today. You bet. Thanks. Now we're giving tips for higher yields in wheat on today's program and uh, had a number of guys that sent back feedback on the fertility side and and just what 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 we're doing to get higher yields in wheat I think the important thing here whether it's wheat or corn or cotton or any crop that you're looking at you've got to start off with a good fertility base and it may be a little bit different if you own the land versus if you're renting it on a year-by-year basis in terms of how much you want to invest in one shot at at building things up but this one's been a big one for us. One of the things that that we've seen over the years is we we really haven't run short on nitrogen and I don't see many farmers running short on N, but I do see farmers running short on other things. Sulfur has been a big one, especially in recent years uh, for for many of the reasons you're all well aware of with with less pollution and all those types of things. And if you're not checking to see where you're at for sulfur, this could be one that, that catches you, especially in the Midwest. Uh, when we think about other nutrients, potassium has been a big one for us. And Brian talks so much about potassium because it has made a big difference for our farm. When you get your nitrogen to potassium ratio off, when you've got good levels of nitrogen, everything you need for nitrogen, but you're short in K, a lot of times we can see some lodging out there and we're more prone to getting some diseases. So that's a real big one that you want to watch out for too. Uh, one of our growers that we had on the show earlier, Lee Lubers, talked about micronutrients and what a big difference that's made for him. One of them that got a, got some focus last week at our Neil Kinsey seminar was boron. And, and there's so many questions about boron. I'm not saying it's the number one yield lim- limiting factor for growers. Uh, but Neil had made a comment that oftentimes it could be taking five or 10 bushels off your crop. And the way that you check is you look at the, the heads of wheat and down at the bottom of the head, those are the last kernels to get filled. If you run short on boron, you're going to see shriveled up kernels at the bottom of the head. And if you do, you've given up five or 10 bushels that could have been fixed. And that's something you could put on, say, with a stream bar application a little later in the season and still save that yield. We see corn farmers with the same challenge with corn farmers. The end of the ear, the tip of the ear is the last it's where the last kernels will be filled. And if we run short on boron, that's where we see it suffering. And that's where we see tip back on corn ear. So just a little different on wheat. It's the bottom of the wheat head instead of the top of the ear like it is on corn. Well, hope you enjoyed today's program. 
Uh, really enjoyed uh, some of the guests that we had on talking equipment, talking about seed treatments. Uh, my personal favorite comment was Andrew Friskab talking about 8% better stands over 18 years of data by using good seed treatments. We've got the best seed treatments that have ever existed right now, so your difference could be even more on your farm. Thanks for listening to our show today, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.